Hey everyone, welcome to episode one of the Heretical Podcast. I'm super excited about our content for today, so I'm just going to jump straight in because apparently I don't know how to do a good podcast intro and segue into our topic. But in all honesty, I couldn't think of a better topic to start off this podcast with than to discuss the centrality and supremacy of the person of Jesus Christ. Now it goes without saying that Jesus Christ has always been a controversial figure within every culture that has had knowledge of him. Any sort of religion that has heard of him is usually going to react negatively in some ways to his teaching, but it is interesting to consider that many major religions actually hold him in high respect, even if they don't see him as the son of God. For example, in Islam, they see him as this great prophet. The, The Muslims actually greatly respect Jesus often, and we see this in other cultures as well. Even people who are not religious or who don't identify as religious because ultimately everyone does have a framework by which they operate for living in the world. But even people who claim to not be religious and don't believe in the supernatural, they still see Jesus as this sort of good teacher or this sort of feel-good guru. And so these cultures, including our culture, they can tolerate Christ. They're cool with Jesus. They can tolerate Christ so long as he is not the Christ of the Bible. And they, they like this sort of feel-good, ancient influencer kind of inspirational teacher. And people will list him in lists of great teachers. They'll talk about Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. and Buddha and others and consider him to be this really good teacher. But the truth is that this is a watered-down Jesus. This is one that has been created in the image of man. We have decided, okay, this is what we want Jesus to look like, and so this is how we're going to think about him. And it's this view that reduces him to just a humble person. They say he may be one of the greats, but we're not going to regard him as the greatest. And so he might be revered, he might be respected, but he's not worshipped in those scenarios. His teaching isn't viewed as any more authoritative than what might come from Confucius or the Dalai Lama or something like that. They just think of him as this dispenser of this sort of fortune, fortune cookie nuggets of wisdom. Maybe it'll inspire you. Maybe it'll lift you up. You know, if you like his teaching, then good for you. That's the Jesus they believe in. But this is not the Jesus of the Bible. And really, as not only is this Jesus not biblical, but this is a stupid and silly concept of Jesus. This concept of Jesus as just another feel-good teacher, sort of like uh, an ancient 33 AD version of Oprah Winfrey. Like This is not a historically realistic version of Jesus. And to sort of illustrate this point, I want to read uh, an excerpt from a book. You may have read it, you may not have. This is probably the last book you would expect to hear from in this podcast, but it's called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. And so Douglas Adams, to my knowledge, was an atheist. And so this is probably meant in a, the excerpt I'm about to read is probably meant in an irreverent way toward Jesus. But I think it illustrates a really important point. So very first page of the first chapter, he's talking about, he's setting up the story. Okay, there's this big catastrophe that's coming. And right before this catastrophe, there's this girl that realizes that we should all be nice to each other. After a long history of humans, Uh, battling each other and being jerks to each other. This one girl finds the secret that we need to be nice to each other, but is unable to share that with everyone. 
But he makes this statement as he's sort of setting up this sort of silly situation. He says that this happens, quote, nearly 2,000 years after one man had been nailed to a tree for saying how great it would be if we could be nice to people for a change. So how great it would be to be nice for people, to be nice to people for a change. And so I think this is sort of a funny concept because if it, this is the way we look at Jesus, if we think he's just this guy that said, hey, we should be nice to people. And then he got nailed to a tree for that. Well, that's, that's a sort of silly way of looking at Jesus. And you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is satire. So it sort of points out the absurdity of different concepts. And whether the author meant to or not, he highlights the absurdity of thinking of Jesus as a good teacher who just said we should be nice to each other. If that was all Jesus was teaching, I mean, that's, that's pretty unifying. That should bring people together. Hey, let's love each other. Let's be tolerant. That shouldn't cause any divisiveness. And so why would they kill him? Why would they nail him to a tree? You are not going to see people crucifying uh, inspirational, feel-good people. Like People are not going to go after Oprah Winfrey with a whole lot of vitriol. They're not going to go after you know, these feel-good influencers with a lot of hatred. But if someone is speaking a message that says you need to change your life or that sort of presents this whole new paradigm for looking at the world, those people are going to be persecuted. And so when we think about Jesus, he can't have been nailed to a tree just because he was saying to be nice. When we look at what scripture says about Jesus, the reason he was nailed to a tree is because he claimed to be God. He claimed he could have the power to forgive sin. And he preached this very divisive message that said, if you are not obeying the law, and ultimately no one can obey the law, then you are headed for eternal punishment. And the only way to get saved is to believe in Jesus. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if he was just a good teacher, like this teaching would be very destructive. So C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, which is a fabulous read, highly recommend it. Uh, but he poses this Lord, liar, lunatic trilemma. And so Jesus is either a Lord, a liar, or a lunatic. For someone to be saying as crazy things as Jesus said, such as that he is the Son of God, that he is the only way to get saved in all his moral teachings, if someone was claiming things that are that, that crazy, that caliber of insanity, there are three options. The first is that he's just a straight-up liar, that he's gaslighting people. That he's, maybe he's trying to see how much he can trick people into believing something false just for kicks and giggles. You know, maybe he's, he's got some ulterior motive that he wants to lie and sort of build this following based on a lie. Or maybe he's just straight up insane. He's a lunatic. He belongs in an insane asylum because he's telling people that he's the son of God. Like a lot of times insane people will make claims like this. They'll say that they're some sort of representative of God or that they're hearing from the God of the universe. And so he could be a liar or a lunatic, or he could be Lord. Maybe what he was saying, that he is the only way to the Father, that he is the one person you need to listen to, maybe he was right in saying that. But we can't have this fourth option of him being a good teacher, that his teaching just doesn't allow that. Like There's no way you could interpret it as that. You either have to take him for who he truly says to be, or a total liar, or total lunatic.
And so the Bible teaches a vastly different picture of Jesus from the one that the world offers us. It's a picture of Jesus that goes against its heretical towards the dogmas and the doctrines of the world. And so who is the real Jesus? Who is the real Jesus? I want to read some scriptures that, um, that sort of highlight this. And just, just sort of listen to these scriptures and see how it compares to the cultural view of Jesus that we often hear. So first is Colossians 1, 15 through 20. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says this Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Again, as we said, John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And finally, I want to read Revelation 1, 12 through 16. Now this is, all these verses, this is the ESV rendering, extra spiritual version. That's not actually what it stands for, but it's funny. But ESV renders Revelation 1, 12 through 16 this way. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the son, a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. So from these scriptures and others, we see that Jesus is not simply a man. Yes, he is human. He, he was fully human. He experienced all the things that we go through. I mean, he experienced pain. He got headaches. He got hungry. He, he experienced all the, all the attributes of being a human. And yet, Scripture shows us that he's also fully divine, that he is fully God, not just that he is a God, maybe like a sort of subordinate God to Yahweh. No, Jesus is Yahweh. He is the God who created the universe. He is fully man and fully divine. And with this, he's supreme over all creation. And so this idea of the supremacy of Christ is really one of the grandest doctrines in Scripture. It's such a beautiful doctrine. But it's not just this theological concept that's out there in the ether like, oh yeah, Jesus Christ is supreme. Great. I can add that fact to my fact tool bag. You know, great fact. 
it's it's not just this theological fact it's actually a very practical idea it's it's going to impact us on a daily basis this idea of the supremacy of christ it impacts how we live each and every day and so i want to examine in this episode and the next i want to examine this supremacy of christ from three different standpoints in this episode we're going to look at christ's supremacy from a personal standpoint and then in the next episode i want to dive into uh, his supremacy from a corporate standpoint and a universal standpoint. And so this episode, we're going to be looking at the supremacy of Christ over individuals. So what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, if we're talking about the supremacy of Christ, well, who sees him as supreme? It's usually going to be Christians. Um, but, but what does that even mean to be a Christian? Well, by definition, a Christian is one who acknowledges and submits to the supremacy of Christ over every aspect of his or her life. And so you may have heard this, this sort of expression of you made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you know, that's, that's a good sort of standpoint, like recognizing the Lordship of Jesus over your life. The truth is Jesus is Lord, regardless of whether you choose to make him Lord in your life. Like one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But there is this act by which we personally recognize his Lordship over our lives we don't give him lordship we don't say hey i'm giving my life to you so that you can have lordship he already is lord we're just acknowledging and recognizing the lordship that already exists but romans 10 9 proclaims if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved and so it's really important to understand what is it saying here when it says confess with your mouth that jesus is lord now, this does not mean that you simply say the words, Jesus is Lord. Many can call him, like anyone can say that, like a computer can say Jesus is Lord. You know, AI technology can deep fake a voice to make it sound like someone is saying Jesus is Lord. You can teach a parrot to say Jesus is Lord. Total tangent. This has nothing to do with anything, but I once met a parrot who could whistle the theme song to the Andy Griffith show. I was visiting the um, the nursing home where my great-grandmother was, and there's a TV, and right beside the TV sat this little parrot sitting in his, in his little cell or his little cage. Uh, and you can guess that since it's old people, you know, people that are around 90, 100 years old, that they probably watch old stuff like the Andy Griffith show. And so one day I went over there, and I was looking at this parrot, and he starts whistling the theme song to the Andy Griffith show. He had probably heard it so many times because it played on the TV that was right next to him. And it was pretty cool. That has nothing to do with anything, but I think it's cool. But a parrot can mimic anything. You can teach a parrot to mimic Jesus is Lord, but that doesn't, you know, make a parrot saved. I mean, I don't know what happens to parrot spirits, parrot souls. You know, God is good, so he's going to take care of them. But just saying the words Jesus is Lord, what I'm trying to say is, just saying those words is not going to get you saved. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus talks about how in the last days there will be people that come to him that say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things? And they list like proclaiming or doing miracles, like driving out demons, all this cool stuff. And Jesus says, I never knew you, depart from me. Which is pretty scary. Like these people think they're saved. They think they have acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And yet, even though they explicitly called him Lord, they 
weren't truly saved. They didn't truly have him as their Lord. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 3 tells us that saying Jesus is Lord, confessing this, it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can only truly recognize and confess his Lordship by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's sort of what this word confess means. It's this Greek word homologeo, which means literally would mean to say the same thing as. And so we're saying the same thing as God about Christ's lordship. And so it's not just repeating words, Jesus is Lord. It's about actually confessing, this is a reality in my life. I am actually submitting my life to the lordship of Christ. And when I say Jesus is Lord, I am acknowledging this change that has happened into me where I am respecting his lordship. And so let's go a little deeper on this word, Lord. It's actually the Greek word, kurios, which is the same word used for the master of a slave. Now, whenever we, we sort of look at this word, we always have to keep in mind the cultural context. Like if we read the Bible according to our present day context and words, we're going to get a very skewed interpretation. So in America, we usually, when we hear the word slavery, we think of the horrible racist slavery that existed in America and Britain. And so we think of this very harsh form of slavery. And that's not what the Bible is talking about. The word slave actually had a much broader usage in the Bible. But this word kurios, which meant a master, it's used throughout the scripture. And we see that several biblical authors refer to themselves as slaves of Christ. Uh, Paul in Romans 1.1 calls himself a slave of Christ. Peter does it in 2 Peter 1.1. Judas says it in Judas verse 1. And by the way, if you're confused about that, like there's no book of Judas in the Bible. It's the book of Jude, but the actual Greek name is Judas. I feel like we should get back to the more, uh, the more biblical way of saying it instead of our anglicized way, but that's just me. But anyway, these three biblical authors all refer to themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ, which is wild. Even in the case of Judas, who is a brother of Jesus, he refers to himself not as the brother of Christ, like that would be the ultimate name drop, like, hey, this letter is from Christ's brother, you should listen. No, he's like, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. And so this, this idea of slaveship to a master, it illustrates what it means to truly follow Jesus. Following Jesus isn't the same thing as following Chris Pratt on Instagram. It's not like following some author on Goodreads to see their, their latest novels. This, this isn't just something where you keep up with a certain celebrity, you follow what they're doing. No, to follow Jesus means loyalty. It means this surrender of all your desires, your emotions, your, your very body, your very self to Jesus, surrendering to him as your Lord and your master. And so you're pledging sort of this unmitigated obedience and allegiance to him alone. So proclaiming Jesus as Lord, it's not merely this verbal declaration. It's not just saying words. It's a confession of where your deepest loyalty lies, where your deepest trust and love are. It's this absolute sort of giving up of yourself to Jesus Christ. And it's it's really this picture of dying to ourself. In Philippians 3 verses 8 through 11, Paul talks about, he had been talking about his resume as a Jew, like how much he had done. Like he was literally like, the one every Jew wanted to be like. They wanted to be as good, as holy as Paul. And yet he looks at his resume and he counts it all as rubbish. And he goes through this process of dying to himself, of essentially renouncing all of his worldly acclaim, all of his worldly rights, 
in order to be submitted to Jesus Christ. And that is what it looks like to surrender to Christ as Lord. We're, we're laying down our rights. We're giving away our autonomy and self-determination. We're giving our lives to Jesus Christ. But this is not this sort of sad drudgery and slavery. Like Paul talks about the sweetness of following Jesus. You see in Galatians 2.20 when he talks about serving Christ, he says, Christ who died for me. Like There's this very personal uh, recognition of this. It's not just Christ died for the world, yes, but he died specifically for me. He had this love specifically for me that led him to die for me. Like that sweetness like of him having given himself up for me allows me to give myself up for him. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 also talks about how Christ, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And so it was because of his love, because of the richness of his grace that he chose to save us. And so this slavery to Jesus Christ is serving someone who loves us so much and has already served us so much that the only natural logical response is to give our lives right back to him. So servitude to Christ is not this brutal and dehumanizing slavery. It's actually by surrendering our rights to him that we find true freedom. By becoming his slaves, we are liberated. By dying to ourselves and killing our flesh, we find true life. And so it's these beautiful paradoxes. You become a slave to become free. You be, you die to yourself to find life. And that's the kingdom of God. Like That's why some people refer to it as an upside-down kingdom. Like Christ inverts our expectations of what we think the world works like in order to show us that his kingdom is far beyond. It surpasses anything we could imagine. And so as slaves of Christ, we're acknowledging his supremacy over our bodies and souls. So this is the, the personal perspective of the supremacy of Jesus Christ, recognizing that he is supreme over us as individuals. And so in the next episode, I want to talk about his supremacy as in a corporate sense, which is his supremacy over the church, and then his supremacy in a universal sense, his supremacy over everything that has been made. Um, so thank you for so much for joining me for this first episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you like this podcast, please uh, look in Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. Um, give us five stars if you feel like it merited that. Um, and follow us on Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter. Our handle is at Heretical Show. And we'll also be releasing some video versions of this podcast, hopefully soon, on YouTube. And the handle there is at Heretical Show. You can also search Heretical with Andrew Thompson. As well as um, X, which is formerly known as Twitter, we'll hopefully be releasing videos there and maybe even rumble down the road. want to use as many platforms as possible to reach as many people as possible. But there will also be some exclusive content on some of those different platforms. So I hope to sort of release some Instagram reels and YouTube shorts, as well as other um, short-form content on YouTube, talking about just like hot takes on controversial issues and stuff like that. So feel free to check some of that stuff out. And thank you so much for listening. I know you have a limit to how many podcasts you can listen to in a day. And I'm so honored that you chose to spend 25 minutes listening to this one. Um, but thank you for listening and hope to see you in the next episode. Peace.